All right. Hey, if you guys can go ahead and find your seat, that would be awesome. Great, great to have you guys here. It's fantastic. What a great crowd we've got here at our Carney campus and our West venue. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us in North Platte right now, as well as those that are in our East venue and all of you that are worshiping with us online. Can we just say like a big hello to all those people? Come on, let's just do it. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys are here for an incredible day, an incredible day. In fact, if you're a guest here, you probably picked the best Sunday to attend um, that we've had in a long time. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series. It's titled, I Am Resilient. It's all based off of this book that we wrote called, by the way, I Am Resilient. Just in case, you know, there wasn't the connection for you. But the book, I Am Resilient, it really, it highlights six different people in our church and it tells their real life story. We believe at New Life that the testimony that God has given us, the testimony of who we were before Christ, right? How we came to know Christ and now who we are after Christ is a powerful message that has to get out. But along with that, we also believe in the testimony of what happens once a person gives their life to Jesus, right? And then they, they go through difficult situations that most people would say, wow, I would just give up after that. Or I would point my finger to God and I'd be angry at God about that. But that there's a different heart that comes out. And here at New Life, we are very blessed with incredible people in our church, but yet real people. People that have gone through real life struggles, real life tragedies but yet have still maintained this resilient spirit. Very much like, and one of the reasons why we gave the book the name Resilient was because here in Nebraska or the middle of America, especially the plains, somewhere in our past, there was ancestors of ours that decided, you know, I'm going to stop right here in the middle of Nebraska or western Nebraska, and I'm going to call this home as I'm a pioneer working my way from the east to the west. Right? You hear what I'm saying? Those are some bold people. Bold people, right? Just a little bit farther, you would have seen the mountains, people. Come on. Right? But no, this is where it was at. Like, this is what they called home. This is where they made their homestead. This is where they were going to raise crops. This is where cattle were going to be raised. This is where generation after generation was going to be raised, right here. I would say to you, and I would argue with you to say that those people understood what it mean, meant to be really resilient. They understood what it meant. That lineage, the heritage of this church and the people that established this area were people that understood what resilience was. Meaning that they, they knew what it was like to overcome, right? To overcome challenges. But they also knew what it was like to bounce back from defeats. Those people experienced some amazing defeats in their life. You think about some of the, the dust bowls of the past or, you know, trying to plant crops and all of a sudden they realize, man, the crop's not coming up and, you know, go through hardship and famine and sickness and death, right? And all kinds of craziness that took place. So they understood what the real meaning of the word resilient is, to overcome challenges and to bounce back from defeat. That's one of the reasons why we did it. Another reason why we call the book resilient is because innate inside of all of humanity is this resilient heart, this resilient soul, if you will, and this human resilience to, you know, fight back and to overcome things. It's almost like God wired it right into the DNA of the human nature of man and woman. Now, in, in our day and age, we could probably put some other terms on it, though, right? So human, human resilience could also be defined maybe as stubbornness or rebelliousness, 
And maybe you're sitting next to one of those people right now. Or you are that person, right? Or you've seen those traits in your life. I've seen those traits in my life. I know you've seen them as well, right? So resilience can really kind of turn into this dark thing inside of us. It turns into this stubbornness like, I will not be moved. Even when you really need to be moved, right? And that rebellious heart, like I'm going to do it even if they say I can't do it, right? That's, that's a form of resilience, but when it only comes from the human heart, it can be really devastating. In fact, it can cause more challenging moments, if you know what I mean, right? That's not, that's not where resilience ends, though. And another reason why we called the book in this teaching series, I Am Resilient, is because there's a resilience beyond just the soul of man. There's a resilience just beyond the DNA, the, hum, the humanity that we live in. There's a resilience beyond that. And we're just going to coin it today as God's resilience. There's a God-resilient factor that all of us as humans have this empty void on the inside of our heart that God is drawing us to himself and he's wanting to fill. So God's resilience could basically be defined as this, the spiritual fortitude to live out faith during challenging times and devastating times. The spiritual fortitude to do that, but it doesn't end there, watch this, and to bounce back or to rebound with joy in following Jesus. I'm amazed at times, and you're going to be amazed as you hear the testimonies from people during this teaching series of how not just that they overcame challenging times, but how their faith rebounded with joy. It's one thing to overcome. It's another thing to rebound with joy, even after you've lost some of the most precious things on this earth. So during this teaching series, as you hear these testimonies, you're going to find people are pulling back the veil. They're being very transparent. You're going to see the real people of New Life Church during this, during this teaching series. During this teaching series, every single Sunday, we're going to try to tackle or highlight a, a particular resilient quality. And we're going to do that throughout the month of October. So basically, if you went back onto our website and you watched these next few weeks throughout this month of October, you would get a much better idea of what does it really mean to walk with godly resilience as we tackle one quality at a time every single week. So let's get started today and let's look at the first quality. The first quality is this, resilient strength. Resilient strength. When we think of the word strength, again, from just our humanity perspective, what are some of the first things that come to your mind? You think of strength, I instantly go muscle strength, right? I go physical strength, the ability to pick up objects and to move them around. Like some of our farmers that we have at our Kearney campus and our North Platte campus, some of those guys and gals have no idea how strong they really are. You shook their hand just a second ago in greeting time, and your hand's still trying to recover from it. Because they don't know how strong they are. They just pick up hay bales and boom, they just move them around. Right? You go, hey, can I come out and help you? And then you realize how weak you are. Right? So, I mean, they're strong. They're strong people. You, so, so when I think of like strength, my mind goes first to physical strength. But it doesn't stop there. I also go to mental strength. I also go to emotional strength. I think that those three qualities were definitely found in the pioneers who went before us in these lands. And those three strengths, they reside in each and every one of you at some capacity. But that's just human strength, right? And every time we think of a human strength, we we always kind of like now go to the next step, which is, well, I've got to be faster, tougher, stronger, right, than my adversary or my opponent or the challenge or the difficult thing that I'm overcoming. 
And that's human resilience. Human resilience says things like maybe what you've said before. Like, you know, I got to pick myself up and I got to fight back harder than what's, than what's opposing me. Or maybe you said to one another, no one else is going to fight for you, so step up and, you know, take, take care of it. And those, are, those aren't necessarily like bad statements, but you do need to realize that those kinds of statements put all of the ownership on man to have strength to fight back or to overcome obstacles, challenges, or devastating moments. And man's strength was only designed to go so far. Biblical strength is a much different thing, though. What the Bible defines as strength is totally, radically different than what we're talking about right now. In fact, it starts with with a whole different philosophy. It starts with humility. It starts by humbling ourselves. It starts by coming to a point where we recognize, I am second, Jesus is first. That's That's where biblical resilient strength starts. And it moves from there and it continues to a, to a lifestyle of confessing weakness. I am weak, you are strong. I can only accomplish so much, but with you, crazy things can take place, God. Amazing things. Then it climaxes with a lifestyle of continued dependence on God, where self dies and the spirit of God lives. Literally, the soul of man decreases in his strength, so that the spirit inside of us can increase in his strength. I want you to listen just for a minute, a few scriptures of how the Bible describes what true biblical resilient strength sounds like and looks like. Here's the first one, Philippians 4.13. It says, for I can do what? Everything through Christ who gives me strength. What does man's strength say in, in opposition to a scripture like this? I can do everything. What does the heart of the man or woman who is wanting to live out a biblical resilient strength say? He says, I can do everything, but then they add on through Christ who gives me strength. Where does the ownership go to the person who's wanting to walk in true biblical resilient strength? It goes back to the ownership of Jesus. Jesus in me, I can accomplish everything, watch, that God puts in my path to accomplish. Right? So it's more about me living God's will than me living my will. There's more. There's more to this. Let's look at what the psalmist says in Psalms 28. It says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all of my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs even of what? Thanksgiving. Right. So what would man say in opposition to this? Man would say things like this. If he wrote, if it was just man's heart writing Psalms 28... He would write, I am strong, I protect myself, I am my own shield, and I trust in me. Now, let's just be honest for a minute. You ever heard those words in your own heart? Maybe you never said them out of your own mouth. But maybe they were up here. Maybe they're living right here. It might be that way right now. And, and I don't want this passage of Scripture to be condemnation on you. I want this passage of scripture to remind you, you can't stay in that condition. Some of us have lived in that condition for years and even decades because of past pain and hurt. Other people who promised to have our back and then they didn't have our back. And we said, we'll never trust anyone else again. Oh, and by the way, God got included in that over time. 
So it never starts, it never, it never starts by saying, God, I don't trust you anymore. It always starts by saying, I don't trust people anymore. And then it drifts to, I don't trust God anymore. It always starts there. That's where it starts in the heart of the believer. So if that's where you're at today, then come back to what the spiritual man would say in living out biblical, resilient strength. Spiritual man would go back to Psalms 28 and he would say, God is my strength. God is my shield. I trust in God with all of my heart. Capital A-L-L, all of my heart. Only God helps me. And I can't stop praising God for who he is and how he provides for me. That would be the move that you would want to make in your heart today. Because I'm telling you right now, we're all going to be faced with challenging and difficult times. All, every one of us, including, including myself, sitting in this room, listening to this sermon today, this next week could be the worst week you've ever faced in your life. And even the strongest of the strongest Christians are going to have the tendency and will, and will at times, unfortunately, drift back to a human self-strength. We drift back to what we're innately designed on side of the human heart to do, which is, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix it. I got this. I can conquer it. I got my hands wrapped around this. When, you, when that happens with you, when that happens with me, it's not a moment to beat ourselves up. It's a moment to give ourselves a little grace and realize, ah, the human heart won out. I want God's spirit to win out. Come back, repent of that, and come back to God's heart. This biblical resilient strength that God wants us to live by will radically change our lives. In fact, true biblical resilient strength, it encourages a much different response than, I'm going to fix this. It's a much different response. Part of that response we need to remind ourselves of. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, so humble yourself under whose mighty power? The mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Something that you and me are going to have to wrestle with today. And you're just going to have to come to grips with this. It's something you've heard over and over again. But that God has his perfect timing for everything. That means today that if you're walking through the most devastating, challenging moment you've ever faced before... You need to know it's part of God's timing. You're like, man, that's, that's, a, that's a big pill to swallow then, Jeff. Yeah, but see, let me just tell you what's happening during this time, this challenging time that comes to all of us. It's bringing us down to our core, and it's reminding us, in whose strength are you really trusting in? Whose strength are you really trusting in? So let's just say that you are that person, and you're in that deep, dark moment right now. Whose strength are you trusting in? There's a tendency to run to God in the midst of the heat. What about the person right now who's gone through the heat of the devastating moment and you're on the backside of it? Whose strength are you trusting in? We know what the right answer is, but are we living the right action? Like up here we know it, but are we living it here? Because our tendency is to do something just the opposite. Our tendency is to, is to like run to God in the heat and then to run back to self when things get good. Like you can blow out all four tires on your car. Jesus shows up to change them. He changes three. You step in and grab the wrench and go, I'll change the fourth one. Yeah, but Jesus is changing them all. I know, but I got this. It's almost kind of like 
like you got to prove something to God. Let me tell you what really proves something to God. When you constantly live in an attitude of biblical resilient strength and you run away, you flee from, you reject, you let go of human strength. That's what pleases the real heart of God. So biblical resilient strength, it requires a few things. It requires an all-in faith. I'm all in, right? That's, by the way, that's 100%. It's not 99%. It's 100%. Can we get there? Yes, it's possible. How do you do it? Keep following the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Keep listening to things just like this and recalibrating and aligning our lives. But it doesn't end there. It also goes to having a hunger for God to lead you through the challenging times. Oh, and by the way, and letting him be your strong leader even through the good times. So recently in my devotion time, I was reading this passage of scripture that really kind of caught my attention and I was trying to wrap my mind and my heart around it. It was one of those passages that when you read it, you kind of kind of almost read it three or four times to really go, God, what in the world is going on in this passage? I don't want to just read over the words. I want to capture your heart in it. And all of a sudden, it's like my eyes opened up and I saw the essence of this passage of Scripture for what it really was. And then I realized very quickly, it fits what we're talking about today. Isn't that interesting? God knew exactly what I needed to read so that I could bring it to you so that you and I, our eyes could be open based on his scripture. This passage of scripture I'm gonna to read to you is really a story. And I want you to wrap your heart around the story because this story is helping us to see the real difference between living a human resilience versus living a biblical, godly resilience. Walking out human strength versus walking out God's strength. Here's what it's found, found in 2 Kings chapter 13. And it deals with two people, the prophet Elisha, all right, and a king, Joash. Those are the two people in this story. So now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die. So here's the prophet of God. Even the prophet of God has a time span on this earth. There's a day coming when he no longer exists. Joash, king of Israel, so he's the leader. He went down to Elisha and he wept before him, crying, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Let me just break it down to simple English. I'm the king. You're the prophet. You're getting ready to die. Who's going to help me discern what God's heart is, right? I'm going to be defeated by my enemies. He's really fearful at this moment. In verse 15, and Elisha said to him, all right, well, take up a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And then he said, open the windows eastward, and he opened them. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot the arrow. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory. This is Elisha, right? The arrow of victory over your enemy, the Syrians. For you shall fight the Syrians in Afik until you have made an end of them. And then he said to them, then he said to the king, okay, take the arrows. And he took them. And then he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and he what? He stopped. Hang on to that. Then the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only how many times? Let's put this in context. You got a king who has enemies. There's a prophet. The prophet's a mighty prophet who 
hears the voice of God, gives the battle plan, and when the, when the people follow the battle plan that's been given to the prophet, they win the battle. Now the prophet's getting ready to die. There isn't another prophet in the land. Here's the king. It's his watch. While the prophet's going to die, his only concern is, what's going to happen to my leadership? What's going to happen to the kingdom in which I lead? Like, when you die, what are we going to do? And so he's there, and he's mourning that, right? He's really, it's really more about him than it is about anybody else. He got that, right? But the prophet of God says, well, l- let me do a little symbology for you here. Let me help you understand what God's heart is going to be. If you'll pick up the bow and you'll pick up the arrow and you'll open up the window and you'll shoot the arrow through it just out of simple obedience, as crazy as it sounds, you're probably going to lose the arrow. It's going to go through the window. You may never find it again. An arrow that could be used to strike down the enemy or it could be used like to shoot a deer or something of that nature, right? To feed yourself. But if you'll shoot it through the window, God's going to do something fantastic. So what does the king do? Out of fear, right? Out of worry, because he's at this moment where he's like, wow, I know I can't tackle this. I need, I need the help of God bigger than me. So he does, he does what seems foolish and he shoots the arrow through the window. When he does that, what does he hear? He hears the voice of God saying, well done, son. Good job. Here's what's going to happen. You are going to conquer your enemy. Now you and me in that situation, all of a sudden, what happens to our fear? Okay. I'm going to win the battle. So even if Elisha dies tomorrow, I'm guaranteed the battle. What happens when fear starts to decrease? Human strength starts to increase. Just about the time he thinks the the challenge is over, Elisha says to him, oh, by the way, would you pick that bow up again and pick up the rest of those arrows? And so the quiver that's on his back, he's got all the arrows in the quiver, right? And Elisha says to him, shoot the rest of the arrows into the ground. When you go back to the original language, that's literally what it drives home. Elisha the prophet saying, all the rest of the arrows, strike the ground with them. Shoot them into the ground. Now, here's what's interesting. The one he shot out the window, he may never find again. You shoot them into the ground right in front of you, you're going to pick those arrows up. Those arrows are going to be used to win a battle. Those arrows are going to be used to put food back on your table. You're not going to lose them. So what does the king do? The king pulls out one, two, shoots it, three, shoots it into the ground and goes... That's enough. Why does he stop there when he's got other arrows in the quiver? Because he already is guaranteed the battle. What he worried about most is already being taken care of. Now he went back into, I got it from here. I got it from here. Why does the prophet get mad at him? The prophet gets mad at him because he goes back to a human strength versus continuing to walk out a godly biblical strength. And then he says to him, okay, well, since you put your strength and your faith back in yourself, you're only going to win three battles because you shot three arrows. But if you would have shot five or six and you would have given it all to God and your whole strength, you put your strength in your arrows and what you're going to do and in your leadership. But if you would have given it all to God, not only would you beat the enemy three times, you would have wiped the enemy clear off the face of the earth. What happens, church, on the fourth battle? What happens in our life on the fourth battle? When we only give God a portion. When we take our arrows, when we take what we trust in, we take what we trust in, and we put trust in what we have versus a complete all-in trust in what God can do. You guys are getting ready to hear a powerful story 
from a couple that knows what it's like to put their complete faith and their trust into the strength that only can come from God through the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear this story. I want you to be listening for biblical, biblical, godly strength that allows them to, you know, be resilient. I want you to listen for it. But I know this about God. God's going to be speaking something unique to many of you that sounds nothing like anything I talked about this morning. Please listen to what God's trying to speak to you as you hear a story about godly resilience and overcoming some of the most challenging and devastating situations that we could find. Listen to this resilient testimony. It was a Sunday. We weren't going to church. We probably should have been. We've been, like I said, six months in Kearney. We were Sunday night, Sunday morning. She woke up, um, asked me if I could, wanted to go to work for her. And I said, no, there's football games on. I, I want to stay home and watch football. So she goes, okay, I'll go to work. Because she wasn't feeling, I don't know if you had a migraine or... I was pregnant. Yeah, that might have just been it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she went to work. Um, work called probably about a half hour later saying, hey, where's Amber? I'm going, well, she's on her way to work. She should have been there by now. She left half hour ago. Um, no, she's not here. Well, she's in her brother's truck, so I said maybe it broke down or ran out of gas or something. I'll go pick her up. So I leave home to go to go find her to figure out where she was at. And just not even a mile from the house, all I could do was cop cars and a fire engine and all that stuff. I hit the washboards on 100th right in front of um, the apple orchard and hit it and just overcorrected, started swerving, went in the ditch, rolled over one time. Um, they don't know if I was thrown out of the back window or the door. Um, but my brother had bob wired fence and everything in the back, so it could have been much worse. So God's grace was probably watching over. And I just laid there on the cornfield and I just prayed that God would send somebody. And there was a married couple the wife, they went past it, and the, hus- the wife was looking back, being snoopy like us wives do. Thank goodness. And the husband's like, quit being so snoopy. And she looked back, and I heard the car go by. And all I could do was just raise my arm. And she saw my arm. <laughs> this out. Anyway, <laughs> so it was, it was just a lot of emotion hit. Got to the hospital, the doctor said, he wouldn't let me see her. I kept saying, well, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. That's all I could say. That's all I could say. She's pregnant. <clears throat> so I was worried, you know. He's going to be okay, whatever. <sighs> Didn't know what to do. So I just prayed, prayed, prayed. God, I'm sorry. Finally got to see her. She was good and they didn't know about the baby they said they couldn't tell they ran cat scans um, every scan known to man and they said odds are the baby probably won't make it um, so it pretty much hit us the next day that she probably never ever walked I loved my stepdaughters and I was so excited to be a mom I was like how is I sorry <laughs> how am I going to be a mom if I'm in a wheelchair hardest thing that I just didn't know if I could do. Um, sorry. Um, if I would have died that day, if I wouldn't have just, like, 
honestly went to heaven that day just because my heart truly was in the right spot that it needed to be. Came stronger just by allowing God to run our life, I think. It's really improved our relationship. It's improved every facet of our life. Because of her chair, it has opened a lot of different avenues for her through speaking and helping share God's Word, even though when she's speaking about something completely different, she likes to interject Jesus into the conversation. I just know that it's a blessing that we're here, and God has a purpose for every one of us. And if we would just use the talents God gave us and the abilities, and everybody has some type of ability to share that Jesus has given, that God's given them. Sometimes you wish for healing for things that you want, but not what God has planned. His healing is different. The only reason why I'm not like completely in tears is because I've had the privilege of being able to watch that a few times. But I had to watch it a few times. I wouldn't be able to be standing in front of you right now. Your life is never meant, it was never designed to conquer everything on your own. You were made with a need for this resilient strength that only God can provide. You were never made just to make it through life on the resilient human strength that God gave you. You were made to be dependent upon him and his spirit. Whose strength are you trusting in today? Whose strength? My encouragement to you is the same word that Elisha spoke to the king that day. And that is, take your arrows and strike the ground with them today. Take what you trust in Take what you put your faith in. Take what you put your support in, whether it's your family, it's your finances, it's your health, it's your job, it's your title. Whatever your arrows are, take them all today and strike them to the ground. It's not that if you're putting your trust in your money that you've got to give it all away. Remember what happened for the king. He shot the arrows into the ground. He was going to pick those arrows back up, and those arrows were going to help him win the battle. But I'm telling you today, if you don't take your arrows and strike them to the ground, you don't take what you trust in and give it to God at the altar, you can never pick it back up and use it for God's glory. You'll always be resting some portion, some percentage on human strength instead of a total dependence on a God-given strength, God's God's resilience. So today, what are your arrows? Bring them to God. Strike them to the ground. Let go of them. Empty the quiver. And just go all in with God. And say, God, I wasn't designed to conquer it all. But through your grace and through the power of your spirit, I want to be a man or a woman that lives the true example of biblical, resilient strength. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, We give you this morning, we give you this sermon, we give you this testimony. We're so humbled by the testimony that we heard today. We're humbled by by your word and how it challenges us to trust you with everything. Not just to like trust you during the midst of the heat of the battle, but to trust you through it and on the backside of it as well. So Lord, I just pray for this congregation of people that 
We would hear a message that yet is so simple but so profound. That today we would humble ourselves before you. We would strike our arrows to the ground. We would give you 100% of us. So that 100% of you would be seen through our lives. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. That Lord, your glory would be seen in our lives. And that your glory would be projected through us, and that this church would be a beacon of hope for all that are looking to run to a God, a God who gives us the strength to be resilient in the face of the world in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen.